Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, Associate Producer and Starista's Creative Copy Manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ talk to Chris Shermer, President and Founder of Shermer. He discusses his agency's success with brands like ADP and Red Wing Shoes, and the importance of making the other person the hero of the story. Also, AJ tackles the Texas heat, and Vincent enjoys a joke. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, the marketing stir. I, of course, am your host, Vincent Petrofessa of Starista. With me, as always, ladies and gentlemen, is my co-host, my partner in crime. I say it a lot. I'd run through a wall for this guy. Would he do it for me? Eh, I don't know. But ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ Gupta, what's going on? Hey, Vincent. You know, I get on this podcast with you, so that should count for something, right? <laughs> that sure does. You know, you are a very busy man as our CEO of Starista. And, uh, you know, you do jump on the podcast with me. So, yeah, that's like a virtual wall that you'd run through. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that. What's been going on, AJ? How's San Antonio treating you? Uh, man, it's been getting hot. And, uh, you know, as uh, somebody who lives in Texas, we're used to the heat, but it's been like 110 degrees. So um, I was already kind of staying in. Uh, but uh, with with the heat, uh, I'm trying to stay in air conditioning and uh, keep cool as much as possible. I hear you. I was not a fan of coming out to visit in July of last year. Whoo, there's nothing great about that. And But I'm, uh, of course, live here from New York City. I am, you know, back in the office. That was a choice that I made. I just, uh, I, I'm a really good, uh, I, I really do well in the office. I'm, uh, you know, less distractions, me having two small children, a three-year-old and a three-month-old. It's just better. I was like, I got to get out of here. And there's really no one here as I'm talking loudly uh, in the rest of this WeWork office here. And yeah, so I, I like it. But uh, that's San Antonio, very hot. New York is very hot. I wonder if this next place gets hot. It must. You know, you usually hear about it uh, in the cold. Uh, I'm, of course, referring to where our next guest is located in Minneapolis. And uh, let's give a warm marketing stir welcome to the president of the B2B agency, Shermer, the president and founder. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Chris Shermer. What's going on, Chris? <laughs> yeah, theme music. Bum, bum, bam. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be with you from Minneapolis, where we've got a balmy 43 degrees here today. Come on. That's <laughs> great. That's insane. That's, a, that's a warm. No, I'm, jo- I'm joking. It's going to be <laughs> probably in the upper 80s today. Oh, we, actually, we, do see, we do see a good month and a half of summer here. Beautiful. And then you guys still call it summer. That's awesome. That's funny. It's uh, well, you got me there for a second. That's how naive I think uh, I am as a New Yorker. I'm just like, it's, it's, it's below zero every day. <laughs> you take, you ride a sled to work. What an idiot I am. I know. Well, well, Chris, let me just tell you something because how you and I came to, to know each other and meet each other. Uh, you know, I had first discovered 
Shermer, the agency, um, while reading and learning more about B2B marketing. Uh, B2B marketing, of course, is a B2Bmarketing.net is a website and community uh, editorial that you know I've grown to really love and get a lot of great insight from. Uh, here at Starista, we were fortunate to speak at one of their events and uh, really got to know Joel Harrison, the editor-in-chief for which he was on one of the episodes. So I'm scrolling through and I'm reading about, you know, this, you know, one of the top B2B marketing agencies uh, in the United States. And I'm looking and I'm like, Shermer in Minneapolis. I'm like, I have to learn more about these guys because... I love the fact that you're there and you're doing great things because a lot of the times, Chris, you're looking at, it's like B2B agency, Chicago, New York, Seattle, California, and you're the only one there from Minneapolis. And I got to know, you know, and I love your story. So, you know, thank you so much for being uh, on the podcast. Uh, And I just tell people a little bit about who don't know about Shermer. Yeah, sure. Um, well, it's funny you, you bring up the, the Minneapolis thing because it's uh, it's it's not easy being a B2B agency in uh, in Minneapolis. We're surrounded by um, so many great consumer brands, um, everything from General Mills to 3M to um, uh, Target to Best Buy. Um, and so there's a there's a huge agency um, ecosystem here of the Fallon and Carmichael Lynch and Martin Williams and, and all these agencies who were really uh, helped establish kind of a new creative back in the 90s. And that's when I started the agency was back in 1997. And uh, I didn't have that. I didn't come from an agency. I actually worked at a, at a grocery company called Super Value and, uh, in advertising. And if we tried to figure out how we were going to start an agency, I had a partner at the time. And we quickly found that B2B was ignored and uh it just wasn't it was an opportunity in this town that nobody was paying attention to Um, there were a lot of great b2b companies and the one thing that we just really felt was that b2b marketers just didn't understand that brand could be a competitive a competitive advantage Um, and so i actually I, i made up a joke for you this morning um to kind of show you how b2b marketers think and it goes like this so how many marketers does it take to change a light bulb? 11. No, the answer is zero. Sales does everything. <laughs> so um, that's the attitude and uh, is that, you know, most, more, most organizations, B2B companies are sales driven or they're product driven or engineering driven or manufacturing driven. But the, the vast majority of them are not customer or buyer driven or even marketing driven. And so that's what we set out to do is to help them understand that by being that by being oriented around brand, by creating experiences, uh, by putting the buyer first and becoming a buyer driven brand organization, that they could separate themselves from other businesses, especially commodity types of businesses um, and become more of a buyer um, centric organization. And that's really led to a lot of our success, even though, you know, we, we are not in the hotbeds of B2B. Um, as you mentioned, the coasts and the Chicago and Dallas areas and such, um, and Austin. But we've been holding our own and uh, and getting some notoriety from B2B marketing and the A&A and some Forrester and some other organizations. Well, no, and, and, I, and I love that story. 23 years. Wow. You know, it's, it's hard to th- kind of fathom because... 
you know, again, a, a lot of that back then is like you said, B to C, B to C. But so to see that vision, twenty three years, you 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 know, I I saw you in person. Well, I you know, you, you look young, so you must have started that right out of high school. So good good for you to kind of have that vision, Chris. You know, but but you know, one of the things that resonated with me as well, I love that approach, and you and I talked about this, is the ability to kind of take B to B. And, and make it personal, right? Because a lot of times, you know, B2B, you think it's, uh, you know, company to company, sure, but it's people who are kind of doing the marketing and, and the advertising and you're working with, you know, do you see it as a, a challenge, uh, you know, to make B2B marketing a little more personal? Um, you know, I, I think it's a challenge. I'd say it's a challenge for maybe a couple of different uh, uh, aspects. One is, most, you know, there's still a lot of B2B organizations and, you know, I'm going to, I'm speaking in generalities. There's certainly a lot of very mature and very sophisticated B2B marketing organizations that are out there. Um, and, you know, we're certainly not, not necessarily talking about them, but even they struggle to some extent to do this well. Um, but for the majority of B2B companies, it's, it simply just has not been a priority because as I said before, something else is, something else is. Revenue is the priority. Um, product is the priority. Um, everything but the buyer has been the priority. And so they, they just haven't groomed their marketing organizations from a talent standpoint. They haven't invested in them from a budget standpoint in order to build the, the, the people, the process, the platforms, the, the, the practices in order to deliver more buyer-driven experiences. And so, yeah, I, I do think it's been a challenge and it's something that you know, we we feel like uh, you know Shermer's doing some cutting edge work, and at the same time, we're we're catching up. Um, we're helping organizations catch up to the experiences that B two B buyers are having in B two C with B two C brands. So we're you you know we're utilizing um, buyer personas, buyer journey mapping, asset mapping, um, and all that insight. Um, and research that, that we're doing, we're bringing that to organizations that haven't typically invested in that. Um, at the same time, then we're using uh, channel strategy, targeting, personalization technologies, and so on. Um, and when we combine those two, you know, what we're really focused on delivering, the most important thing in B2B is relevance. Um, and without understanding the buyer from the insight standpoint, as I mentioned, and understanding who they are as an individual, as a human being, what their job is, what their what their cares and worries are, without understanding how that individual is part of an organizational buying process and how that works and how 17 people in that organization may impact a $500,000 purchase decision um, and mapping to, to how they work instead of trying to get them to adopt our sales process. And then that you know that that will help us deliver a certain amount of relevance in in terms of content uh, context, in terms of creative, in terms of messaging, in terms of you know that persona development, buyer journey alignment. But then if we that that'll get you a certain uh, level of relevance. But without being able to deliver that, without being uh, concentrating on reaching the right people at the right time, without um, being ready and um, and relevant with the experiences that you're delivering in the channels and so on, it's just half the equation. So 
Shermer's really had to go through an evolution over the last, I would say, I don't know, six or seven years where we have become much more than just a B2B brand agency. We've become, we focus so much more on developing our UX capabilities, our content strategy and marketing capabilities um, so that we are delivering a holistic buyer experience. Because we think that in order to, to, to be help our clients be relevant and drive to revenue, we've got to be able to think about the entire buyer experience that we're architecting and engineering on behalf of the brands. Hey, Chris. Uh, first of all, good to, good to meet you. Uh, Vincent has uh, said great things about your agency. Um, so, you know, one of the questions I had for you was for your own marketing and for your own target audience, what do you see as the uh, kind of verticals or revenue size at which companies uh, want to hire a B2B agency versus trying to do it themselves? Mm, that's a good question. Oh, boy. Um, well, I would say that there's there's kind of... Um, there's a, a lot of variation to the answering that question, but I would say this, um, the organizations that are probably most sophisticated, most developed in terms of their, um, in terms of their marketing capabilities, specifically around demand gen and, um, performance marketing are organizations that are, I would say, um, selling through a direct channel. So they have their own sales organization. They're selling direct. Um, the least sophisticated marketing organizations are those that are selling through channels. Um, so resellers and, um, and distributors and so on, because in a lot of cases, those organizations simply don't have to have full channel attribution all the way to the buyer. And they haven't been able to accomplish it or achieve it in the past. That's changing. Um, but because of that, they've just, they haven't focused on uh, full attribution modeling all the way through the buying process. And so the sales or sorry, the marketing organization then focuses more on brand building, content creation, and things that they utilize for sales enablement. And so the, the organizations that are selling through distribution and channel are more oriented towards sales enablement. Organizations like software as a service um, or, or software companies who have had the direct sales organization where the marketing team has been built around a combined focus between sales and marketing on revenue and growth. Um, they're a little bit more sophisticated in terms of building that in-house demand gen team. And so we've seen that uh, the, the smaller software companies, they're building those teams in-house because they need the data about the customer and about revenue closer and faster um, to access. Um, the bigger they are, the more they start to, uh, like we work for like Thomson Reuters. Um, they have built a lot of capabilities in-house around channel management, around performance and revenue marketing, um, but they don't necessarily have the ability to, uh, to align all those channels consistently and easily um, and so they'll reach out to an agency like us and ask us to help them with the, the, the experience strategy, the messaging strategy, the content and creative development, mapping the, all those assets into the channels and coming up with connection strategies, um, marketing mix. Um, and then we'll turn that over in a lot of cases to their internal teams 
and help them map to their individual channels or their programs. Um, that's how it's that's how it's happening in a lot of larger companies, in a lot of mid-size, where I would say it's kind of like a Red Wing shoe company, uh, where they're just under a billion dollars or so. Um, there's a little bit more of a, they've got managers who are strategic managers of all their different channels, of all their different programs and brands. And they utilize agencies almost exclusively as strategic partners, content and creative um, resources, and implementers of the campaigns um, so that they're really just brand and business. Not I shouldn't diminish what they're doing. I don't mean to imply that, but they're acting as kind of brand and business managers who are hiring agencies as part of their extended teams. Got it. Okay. And then uh, the other question I had was the, you know, it looks like last year you got an award for best website for ADP.com and you have a number of big clients, but this one uh, struck out to me given the uh, size of ADP and uh, kind of, uh, I can only imagine how difficult it would be to win a business like ADP. So I would love to hear the background on uh, how you uh, got the ADP account and what you're doing for them. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, AJ. It's, um, it's actually, I think one of, probably one of my my proudest moments, and, and I'm not I'm not I'm not too proud to to uh, to also admit to you guys that um, you know some some days we're we're a fairly small agency and we work with a lot of big brands as you just mentioned we work with 3M and Cargill and Thomson Reuters and Ecolab and um, Dupont sometimes it's for divisions sometimes it's for business units and sometimes it is for a corporate initiative whether it's a brand or a, uh, some type of a go to market or or in this case for ADP, a website. So everybody knows ADP is a, as a behemoth payroll processing company. That's what they're best known as. Um, what they really are is a human capital management solutions company. Um, that's, that's, you know, kind of lingo and jargon. Um, but that's also one of their biggest problems is that they're, they're not perceived to be what they actually are. So when they put out a call for a digital agency to help them redesign the, the ADP.com, which is primarily a buyer experience, it's, it's a really big part. It's a huge channel for new customer acquisition. And they put out a call for that in uh, 2017, late 2017. And they were ser searching for a digital agency to help them revamp the website. And we went in, we were selected to, uh, as a finalist, they, they would, originally gone out, they vetted 22 agencies. They narrowed it to about 12 for an RFP. They narrowed that to four for finalists. Um, and we went in and we were facing uh, <laughs> a meeting room of, I would say, no less than 20 people representing every aspect of uh, the marketing and product organization. Um, this is a $11 billion company. And we stood there and we said, um, you don't have a website problem. You have a brand problem. And your brand problem is uh, across all aspects of your business, not just your website. You are not buyer focused. You're business driven. You are not engaging with customers on your website. You are treating them like they are prey. Um, and they all nodded their heads. They said, yeah, we are. This is a lead gen mechanism. And we said, this needs to be redesigned so that it is a buyer experience um, and not 
just as a as a business driving revenue source. And there were some people who who disagreed, and there were a lot of people who agreed. Um, and subsequently, we were awarded the business because of our philosophy of put the buyer first. Uh, if we put the buyer first, the business will follow. Um, and it's not to suggest that that the business doesn't doesn't matter. It, it certainly does. We work on behalf of our of our brands, but we're the bridge between them and the buyer. And if we don't put if we don't seek and if brands don't seek to serve the purpose and solve the problems of their buyers first, they they certainly can't help to or can't hope to sell to those people. We are we're awarded that business. It was about a year and a half of uh, UX strategy, content strategy. Um, we did we led buyer research. We uh, partnered with a lot of great, unbelievable resources and people within ADP. And we revamped that website from head to toe. Uh, what's interesting is within two weeks of launch, they had uh, turned off all campaigns, all activity that was driving traffic to the website because they wanted to do a test to see how organic search performance uh, would work, how conversions would work without any kind of campaigns driving them. And within two weeks, we had increased MQLs um, 100 66% over um, their previous uh, year and 55% over any two-week period best that they'd ever achieved. And this is without, and that's with campaigns on. So this website with its, uh, with its purpose-driven um, UX and content strategy um, streamlining what the process would be for a buyer to learn about ADP and make the choice to progress to a conversation with sales. Um, SQLs went up, I think, something like 15%, and quality of sale went up by 18%. And this is a, again, this is a website that was generating hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue per year. And uh, the work that we did with ADP and a, a great team of people. Um, increase that significantly. And it's just one of the greatest success stories because it's not just about revenue, it's about how relevance and revenue came together. That's, that's a great story, Chris. And, and I know how difficult a lot of times these RFPs are. It's almost like you spend hours doing them and it ends up in a black hole. So congratulations on actually... Uh, going through and uh, beating out all the other agencies to get that work. Oh, thanks. And then kind of uh, in terms of, uh, you know, some of the other clients you work with, uh, uh, tell me a little bit more about some of the demand gen or lead gen uh, solutions that you offer them. Sure. Um, every client that we work with is, is, is in a uniquely different place. Um, in terms of how a lot of it is driven by not just what their budgets are, not just what their target audience is, but, but again, where they're at in their maturity and their progression. And so in some case, in some, in, in some ways, you know, I've adopted a mentality of, um, we're not an agency, we're an investment advisor, um, a marketing investment advisor. And I think, I think taking that viewpoint has really helped us become, a bit of a, a consulting company in some respects. Um, you know, I know a lot of agencies are saying, oh, we're, we're, you know, getting into marketing consulting and, 
you know, we're a management consultancy like uh, like an Accenture and a Deloitte, and that's kind of the the, uh, the terminology du jour. Uh, but I think when you do adopt an attitude of how are we helping an organization invest um, wisely, build capabilities, some of which we're going to deliver, some of which they're going to build internally, some of which are going to come from another agency partner or technology provider. Um, I think you you tend to look at problems um, through a different lens. And it's not a lens of selling, it's a lens of solving. So I say that just because it. I preface that to the answer to your question, AJ, just because, again, every organization is different. So for instance, Red Wing Shoe Company, um, I would say approximately 75 to 80% of their revenue is what they would consider B2B, industrial. Now they've, they've got 900 stores or thereabouts internationally, retail stores. Those stores are, are strategically positioned to, to deliver um, an experience for their industrial customers and to be able to service those customers but also to build the brand of Red Wing. They're actually, they have an incredible flywheel strategy of how the Red Wing brand and their different consumer brands creates excitement um, and traction uh, for the corporate and industrial brand um, and vice versa. So it's a, it's a perpetual flywheel of, of kind of brand building and, and uh, interest creation and, and relevance. And I love it. So when they came to us, they said, we, you know, we, we've been a sales driven organization for many, many years. We're developing a, a new capability to be able to um, uh, deliver a, a total digital experience to our industrial customers uh, so that we can now digitize the entire um, process of um, distributing footwear, safety footwear through through a corporate organization all the way down to the individual um, workers and users anywhere in the world. It's a completely digital process. It's tied into point of sale at retail. It's tied into e-commerce. And that didn't exist before. So what they came to us for was to help them launch that program, which we then helped them brand as Red Wing for Business. Um, and then at the same time, they said, we, we also have been doing digital marketing and demand gen, but we really want to with the launch of this program, take that demand gen to a whole new level. And so Shermer took over that program actually before we launched Red Wing for Business a few months before. And we looked at how could we optimize the channels that they were utilizing? How could we turn on new channels? How could we use um, first party data um, differently than they'd been using it before? How could we introduce third party data through um, different technologies and, and data providers. We, we didn't use Teresa because we weren't aware of you guys at the time, um, but, but technologies and data like that. How do we um, then scale this to uh, individual personas and uh, so utilizing personalization technologies and uh, um, marketing automation, which they, they had, but they weren't utilizing to its full extent. So basically what we were asked to do is just help them come in and, uh, uh, you know, develop these, these capabilities that they knew existed, but they just didn't necessarily have all of those pieces in place and so on. And over the last two years now working with them, we have just had laid out um, progressive goals in terms of 
Um, after we launched that Dimension program, then we launched it to um, multiple industries with different personas. We started doing personalization to those personas within industries. So now we're delivering dynamic. We've got dynamic targeting, dynamic messaging, dynamic landing pages, dynamic nurture streams, um, all being driven by marketing automation and data. Then we expanded to global programs. So now we're running global demand gen uh, for their different work programs around the world. And then in uh, just recently, we turned on an ABM, new ABM program. So it is Red Wing's first foray into really uh, a prescribed ABM program where we brought in some new technology. Um, please don't ask me <laughs> what we're utilizing. I'd have to... Uh, refer to my, or ask my uh, director of demand gen what we're, what we're actually doing for that. Um, off the top of my head, I can't recall. Uh, but so a lot of organizations are, you, you got to understand where they're at in the progress. So some are bringing us, some are, even large companies are asking us to come in from the beginning and help them establish foundational work pol uh, programs um, from the ground up where others are come like Thomson Reuters coming in and saying, we have a lot of these channels established. What we're looking for is we're looking for really that that buyer centric synergy. And we're we're they're asking us more instead of to necessarily um, improve channel performance, it's improve campaign performance by by bringing channel and connection strategy and content strategy together um, at a higher level than they've ever done before, all oriented around the buyer. And so it's, again, I just, I'll keep harping on this. It's just really a matter of where they're at in their maturity model um, and where we can plug in and help them make those improvements. All right. And, you know, Chris, one of the things that our listeners are not able to see having you and I chatted, video chatted, uh, and I got to see the expression on your face, your eyes light up when you talk about your clients, their partners. I mean, it's almost like you're talking about, uh, you know, it's a little out there, but you're like, it's like, you're talking about a kid, like one of your children. And you're just like, oh, this is what we do for Red Wings. And when you were telling me the Red Wing story about the business side of it, uh, I was like, wait a minute. Like there's, what do you mean? Like the stores that I've seen, Red Wing shoes. Yeah. You just go in, you can get your shoes fixed. They're really great quality shoes, but there's a B2B aspect of it. I'm thinking, oh yeah, that's right. You know, people who work in maybe factories and farming and manufacturing, that's such a cool story, but you know, my hats off to you because uh, not everyone has that passion. And it is, I promise you listeners, it is, is very evident when you're talking to Chris. Wow. Thanks. Um, you, well, I do care about I do care about our clients um, for a number of reasons. Um, one is, um, you know, I, I know something about myself. I know something about people. You you give what you get, and um, clients that give me and give my people their best, they get it in return and then some. I have a friend who calls it uh, discretionary energy, and uh, you know, people who 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 appreciate clients who appreciate an agency, clients who give their best, set agencies up for success. Um, they get so much more than just, you know, what the what the budget's going to call for. And so um, we're always looking for for clients that we can go in all in on. Um, also, with B2B, I'll be honest with you, I care more about B2B than B2C in, in a lot of cases, not all, because of what B2B does for the world. 
um, you know, it's, we work with a number of brands from DuPont Water Solutions to Ecolab Life Sciences to Cargill Bioindustrial to 3M Medical that are, are literally changing the world with their technology, with their innovation, um, and, and with what they do. And so it's a privilege to help them shape their story, not just, not just tell it and communicate it, but help them actually shape it. Um, and I take that privilege seriously, and it's a passion. I love it. And then to be able to create the experiences, the content, the digital, the campaigns that bring that to life from a brand standpoint is just, it, it's, a, it, it's really an honor to, to be able to work with these organizations that make, that make the world go round. And, and so another thing, you know, uh, you talked about that I light up when I talk about them. I, what's really important to me as an agency owner is to create a place that, that does great work, but is also great to work at. And I talk to my people a lot about, you know, my goals for, for the agency are, are to balance these four things. I want to be viable. I want to be sustainable. I want to be profitable and I want to be enjoyable. And if I can't balance those four things, it's not that they're all going to be equal at all times. It's like any relationship, right? Uh, but, it, but you have to have some component of all of those things in order for you to do great work and have a good relationship with a client and to be, operate a good business. And some of those principles came to me um, because of my, my background growing up. My, I'm from a small farm town in southern Minnesota down by place called Albert Lee. And this farm town, um, Hayward, had 250 people. And my mom and dad owned the local grocery store and meat market. And the store was originally built in 1898. So it was a little country store. And, and my mom and dad realized that in order for them to be viable and sustainable and profitable, they were going to have to invest in the experience and the product of their business. So they got into smoked meats, um, and became so successful that my, my dad is actually in the uh, American Meat Processors Smoked Meats Hall of Fame today. <laughs> Love it. it. It's incredible. He's won, they won so many national awards for everything, you know, smoked sausage and all that stuff. So I grew up in that, literally. They had it for 30 years. Um, they bought the store four years after I was born, so I grew up in working in it. I grew up watching my parents interact with um, their customers. And I grew up not knowing the difference between who was a customer, a neighbor, and a friend. And it was just, you, you had to show up every day and you had to be part of the community. You had to be um, showing them value because you couldn't get away with, you know, not delivering value in a small town. Um, you had to deliver what you promised. You had to go above and beyond. And so those are some of the principles that I that I brought into my agency, and I think we're critically lacking in B two B. I think that a lot of B two B organizations, especially marketers, um, are are in a corporate office. They don't know their buyer. They've never interacted with their buyer. They've never been in their buyer's shoes, and and so therefore, you know, they're 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 just perpetuating marketing and content and so on. And I think my job and my agency's job is to help them understand there is a person on the other end of that. There is a buyer who's a, who's a person. And again, 
there's no distinguishing between that person as a customer, a neighbor, or a friend. And so we think of that as, as helping them to foster community. And, and, uh, and those principles are just so deeply embedded in me and so important to me that I think that that is what I mean when I talk about being relevant to customers um, and really being an advocate for them um, so, that, so that you're serving them um, and giving them before you expect to get anything in return. And I think that's what distinguishes Shermer and our, our approach. I think it distinguishes the work that we deliver. I think it distinguishes the relationships that we have with, with organizations. And the bigger they are, like AJ was talking about ADP, there are still people within those organizations who are those types of people, those types of champions who say, yep, we're an $11 billion company, but we want to operate on a one-to-one relationship if, if, if at all possible. And they dedicate themselves to creating a brand that can do that. Um, and those are the organizations that, that tend to reach out to us and that, that we tend to win as clients and keep. Chris, you know, in all these uh, years of prospecting and looking at LinkedIn profiles, I've never seen anybody with as many uh, received recommendations and given recommendations as you. So I can uh, definitely see you care about people. <laughs> well, thank thank you. And, and uh you know, I, I again, I just I, I I just believe in the the notion of trying to be generous. It's not always easy, especially when you're running a business and and uh, uh, procurement and sourcing gets involved. Um, but I do believe in in being generous and in giving. Um, and I've gotten a lot in return. Um, there have been a lot of people who've taught me that principle over time. And to be honest with you, sometimes you forget. Um, I'd, so I even appreciate you bringing up the recommendations because that's uh, that's something that means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to other people to get them too. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. And, and so, kind of on that note, uh, now tell us a little bit about your personal life. What do you like to do outside of? Uh, you know, I'm sure you have your hands full at work, but I would love to learn a little more about your personal side of things and hobbies. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I have a lovely wife, uh, and uh, I have three children. I have a daughter who's about to become trouble. She's 14 and going into high school. Um, she's actually a wonderful, wonderful gal. I don't worry about her at all. Um, and then I've got two boys who uh, keep me very busy. One is 10, one's six, um, and they're great kids. I and really enjoy them a lot. They're just uh, each one of them is uniquely different, so you you just as a parent always have to readjust your your focus and and uh, how you're interacting with those people. Um, they you know between work and and uh, just being present with your family, it's it takes up the majority of time. You know I wish I I've gotten into biking um, since the COVID crisis. I enjoy that quite a bit. I've always loved playing golf. Travel is a passion. Um, it's it's also an impediment, you know. These days, AJ was asking me what I've been watching lately, and uh, I've actually been binging travel shows mm-hmm. quite a bit. Anyway, um, it doesn't matter if I come across something that's about travel these days. I will sit down and watch it just for the wanderlust. Uh, so yeah, and um, you know, we're all we're all lacking, you know, the the human connections a little bit, but. Uh, but those are increasingly, you know, things that you're reminded of right now. I think, I think one of the things 
I know it sounds a little privileged to say, but I'm really grateful the agency's doing pretty well during this COVID crisis. I'm really grateful to have a family that's that's healthy and, and I can enjoy more time with. Um, I'm grateful that people are having a few more moments um, amidst this crisis to just sit down and think about what what did matter to them and what will matter going forward. It sparked a lot of new conversations, both personally, but also professionally. You know, what we're going to do with work, what we're going to do with the agency, what what clients are going to do, what they're going to focus on, what their priorities are going to be. So, you know, I think that, I think this has been a, an interesting time for some self-reflection um, and to evolve, you know, everything from obviously our culture and social systems um, to, to our individual um, preferences and, and uh, personalities going forward. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Chris. And it's, uh, you know, definitely makes you kind of reflect and, and figure out like what is, you know, really meaningful to you. And, you know, I know my own family having, bringing a child into this world during this time, it's a nice bright spot in, you know, it's like, all right, things are bad, but, you know, we just welcome the child into this world that we, you know, we love and, and will grow. And, uh, you know, business has been, you know, knock on wood has been, has been great, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, let me ask you this last question because, you know, you know, if you have a little bit of time, I just want to wrap. Sure. You know, people always love to hear, especially from a, a founder, a president and CEO, uh, LinkedIn. If someone were to reach out to you, what, what, what's the best way? You don't, not, you don't have to give your LinkedIn information, but what messaging gets you to say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll return uh, a message. What do you love and what's a pet peeve of yours when people reach out? My number one LinkedIn pet peeve is the people who are using the mobile app. And this is a pet peeve on LinkedIn, by the way. Um, it's when people use the mobile app, there's no opportunity to send a personal message. All you can do is, is hit the invite button and it sends a generic invitation. Um, I, and I think that is just uh, a shortcoming of the LinkedIn app, first and foremost. But then I think it's a shortcoming of the, the individual who's thinking that just a blind invitation like that is going to be accepted in, in many cases. Um, so, you know, I'm a big fan of writing a note. Um, I think that, again, anything that you do that shows that you consider the other person um, as, as, a, as a real person um, and that what you're reaching out to do is to suggest that you will benefit from knowing me. Um, or the, you know you'll you'll benefit from from the relationship in some respect, and if you can make some allusion to how we would benefit uh, from knowing each other, um, what the relevance is in terms of our connection, um, I'm open to connecting with a lot of people and and hearing a story or or at the very least you know trying to make another connection for somebody who's maybe in a job search or something, um, but but I really do appreciate and and kind of demand that it goes one step beyond just um i want to i want to connect with you because the next thing i'm going to do is try and sell something um i think it's i want to connect with you because i think that we will be able to to uh, be beneficial to one another um and as a matter of fact i offer you this first and whether that's some relevant connection or some relevant information or what have you i think that's always welcomed um and that's the way that I try to make connections when I reach out. I mean, I'm a, I'm a connector. 
And I reach out to people all the time. And uh, number one thing I do is I say, I'm reaching out to you because um, my agency has worked with another client or in an industry that's similar to yours. I believe that our expertise is something that could be valuable to you in the future. I am not going to hard sell you. I, I just, you know, I, I want to get to know you via LinkedIn um, and earn your confidence. And uh, that has gone a long way to, to uh, you know, certain people will trust that that is actually your intent, that you want to build a relationship instead of you want to sell them something. Um, there's nothing wrong with selling somebody something as long as it's timely, relevant, and of value. Um, so those are, those are just the things that I would say. Always think about the other person and um, what they want to hear instead of what you need to say. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's kind of the approach I, I take. Uh, I actually think it's it's noteworthy, Vincent. I just want to get, I want to pay you a compliment. Um, I think that what you're doing with your podcast is, is um, what modern marketing should be all about. And that is um, the, the notion of your offering prospective um, partners, prospective clients, um, thought leadership, you're offering them um, something to to build their own knowledge base, something to improve their own um, their own performance as individuals or organizational marketers um, through a podcast. And I, I know you at the same time, you have the opportunity to be present, to foster a community, also to tell your story a little bit. And that's the right thing to do. There's nothing wrong with that. It, you're doing exactly what I talked about before, and that is you're giving and you're getting. And when you strike that right balance, it, it feels good and it feels right. And so when you reached out to me for the podcast, um, it was with the opportunity for me to tell my story through your platform, which I greatly appreciate. And then at the same time, you know, it fostered a conversation where I could tell who you were as a person. I could, I could learn a little bit about, more about what you're doing as an organization. And again, here we are now, and I'm willing to tell your story. See, and so this is this is what marketing should be about. It should be about making the buyer or the other person the hero of the story so that you've enabled them and they will tell other people how you've enabled them to do it. And that is an approach to marketing that I think a lot of brands forget is that they're not the hero of the story. The buyer is and always should be. Uh, I love that, Chris, and there's no way to top what you just said. I, I truly do appreciate that. And I, I love making, you know, uh, n- new connections. Uh, the podcast will continue and, and uh, we, we, we love doing it. Uh, you know, we kind of did it out of like, Hey, we really love the networking aspect or learning the, uh, aspect that in-person trade shows give us. I love going to them and meeting new people and networking. Uh, the podcast has been, you know, more, more than I could ask for. We truly appreciate you joining us, the work that you're doing there at Shermer. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please, you know, check out uh, Shermer.co. Check out Chris, uh, the wonderful work he's doing there. Uh, I could spend two more hours with you, Chris. This has been awesome. Uh, thank you so much again, ladies and gentlemen, for the marketing stir. That has been Chris Shermer, the founder and president of Shermer out there in Minneapolis. Uh, I'm Vincent Petrofessa. He's AJ Gupta. Thank you for joining us on another episode and have a great week.
Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at info at themarketingstir.com. Thanks for listening.